Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Ever wondered why your spouse is so weird? <laughs> what I mean by that is that you are just so different when it comes to so many matters. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have to do this program very fast. I just realized that for some reason, this program is set to last only 15 minutes, and I don't know how to fix that. Uh, if Kimberly Holmes is listening, maybe she can get up here and help me figure out how to make this longer. I obviously made a mistake. And so since it's only lasting on a 15 minutes based on the way it is right now, I'll have to teach as quickly as I possibly can and hope we can fix this thing in the meantime. You see, there are people who are fast-paced people. These are people who make decisions very quickly. They tend not to process very long before they make a decision. Then there are people who tend to be slow-paced people. This is not a factor of intelligence. It has to do with how they do things. They tend to process before they act. And so think about it right now in terms of you and also in terms of your spouse, or if you're just in a new relationship, a person that you're dating or going out with, think, does this person, either you or the other person, is this a person who is fast-paced or is this a person who is slow-paced? Meaning, do you tend to do things before you process or you, do you tend to process before you do things? The second factor we look at here is whether or not one is warm and friendly and easy to get to know or whether a person is a little cool and distant. Now, based on those two things, we can get a theory about how people behave that can help us explain a lot of things in a hurry about how you and your spouse get along. For example, if a, pers if a person is fast-paced, they tend to do things very quickly, but they're also a little bit cool and distant. This is a person that I call the commander. And here's what I mean about the commander. The commander is a person who will make decisions very quickly. He or she doesn't want too much in, uh, information, not too many details. As a matter of fact, they're saying, don't tell me any more than what I absolutely need to know, which can be quite uh, frustrating for you if you're the person who really wants to explain things in great detail. Then we have people that are fast-paced. In other words, they tend not to delay. They tend to act before they process things, but they're warm and friendly. And these are people that we call communicators, and communicators love to talk. I mean, they enjoy visiting with people. They enjoy listening, but they really a whole lot more enjoy talking. They tend to be very verbal. They tend to be very, they say, they are really, really fast-paced people. And most people like them because they have such great verbal skills. But in the process of doing that, they tend to be a little bit flaky at times. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Every person is different. Each individual is different, and not one is better than the other. So don't think as I go through this that I'm saying, okay, one person's better than the other person, or that, that one particular type is better than the other type. Okay? Now, in addition to the commander, the communicator, we also have people that we refer to as being the completer. And these are people who are slow-paced. What I mean by that is that they tend to process things before they act. They also tend to be warm and friendly. 
These are people that people love to be around. They tend to be great listeners. They pay attention very intently to what you say. They are, like I said, it's just because they're warm and friendly. They're also people who tend to be loyal and traditional and home-oriented. Now, I know I'm giving it to you very fast. I'm going to come back and make all this make sense in a couple of minutes. But let me get the, fat, the last one out there first, if I may, the one we call the calculator. Now, understand, we've talked about the commander so far. He or she is fast-paced, bottom line, tends to act before they process, and a little bit cool and distant, a little standoffish. We talked about the calculator. The calculator is a person who is a little standoffish and slow-paced. They tend to process things. They want to think things through very carefully before they make a decision. The communicators are people who are warm and friendly, but fast-paced and tend to be impulsive. And then we have the completers, the people who are warm and friendly, but slow-paced. They tend to process. Now, if you followed all that through, and I realize I've done it very quickly, so you can go back later and listen to this on iTunes. For the remainder of this week, you can actually listen to it on marriageradio.com. And if after that you want to hear it again, you can go listen to iTunes. You can subscribe free to Marriage Radio with Joe Beam and listen to all those things there. But now that I've given you these four kinds of people, let me describe them a little bit better. Now, if you are that fast-paced person who is a little bit standoffish, a little bit difficult to get to know, a person who is that bottom-line person who is saying, don't give me more information than I need to have, just enough to make a decision. You also then are probably a person that will move on quickly past things. What I mean by that is if something occurs, you make a decision, you deal with it, and once it's over, you move on. I mean, you can go to the next thing very quickly. That one's done. I can go to the, to, to the next and not down and thinking about, well, how did that happen and what do we need to do to fix that? Commanders are people who want to say, hey, I blew it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's go on. I don't need to listen to your pain anymore. Don't you understand that I'm sorry about what I did? And sometimes when they solve problems, they're people who tend to be harsh. In other words, I'll deal with it very quickly. And if I make it painful enough for you, you may not do it again. Now, for anybody out there who's listening to these descriptions, if that sounds like you, or if that sounds like the person that you're married to, then you indeed are a commander. All right, let's think about the communicator for a minute. That's the person who is warm and friendly, very verbal, tend to be very fast-paced. These are people who tend to be impulsive. And as I've said, they tend to have great use of words. They tend to talk with their hands. They also tend to be a little disorganized, so their desk may a little, be a little bit messy. These are the kind of people that lose their keys a lot. They enjoy having fun. As a matter of fact, they enjoy everybody being happy. And sometimes, sometimes you can look at them and say, why don't you take this more seriously than you do? You tend to be making jokes out of it or you're telling me all kinds of stories when what I really want you to do is just to deal with this issue. And then, of course, here's the completer, the person who is warm and friendly, a little bit slow paced in the sense that they tend to think things through. They, they are not as rigid as people we call calculators. They can be flexible, but they don't want to lose security. And so they will, for them, everything in life relates to everything else. They can tell you who insulted them in the fourth grade, which recess that they, uh, it was during, where they were standing and what the other person said. And these are the people that sometimes have great difficulty when they're trying to explain things to other people because it's like, I need to have enough time to tell you what I feel, but I'm not particularly the most verbal person in the world. 
And so I need you to listen. I need you sometimes to ask me the right kinds of questions so I can explain myself. And as I go through this, I want to know that you really understand my pain, my problem, my difficulty. And I'm going to have real difficulty thinking that you are on my side or that you're trying to help me solve a problem or that you're trying to help me get past some pain I have if I don't think like if I don't think you truly understand what it is that I feel. And then, of course, the calculators, who are people who are cool and distant, and they tend to be uh, a slow processor kind of people. Let me think things through. They are people who live by the rules, whatever they understand the rules to be. They tend to be very neat people. Everything has a place and is in that place. They are logical to the nth degree. They will think things through and think things through and think things through as long as they possibly can. When they make a decision, they want to make sure that they make the right decision and that it comes out in the right way. And if they do happen to make a decision that turns out badly, it's personal. And so they have to stop and think about it again, like what went wrong. They fear being wrong, just like the communicator fears that you won't like him or her. And the completer fears losing security. And the commander fears that you'll somehow take advantage of them. Now, again, I realize I've thrown that at you in less than 10 minutes. I've given you a lot of information very quickly. I was a little redundant, so hopefully you'll process that some. But let me talk about how that works together. Let's suppose, for example, that you have a commander married to a completer. So you've got this fast-paced person who's a little cool and distant married to a slower-paced person, one who tends to process, who's warm and friendly. Now, think about how they're going to view things differently. So, for example... The commander is going to be more impulsive about decisions. The commander is not going to listen to all the processing that the completer does when the completer tries to explain. This is why I think we should do this. Let me give you all the reasons. And when I say give all the reasons, the completer will give a ton of reasons. And the commander is like, no, no, just tell me the ones that are important. Let's get to the bottom line. Let's make a decision. And so often in that relationship, it is the completer who feels controlled by the commander. Yet, sometimes it is the commander who feels controlled by the completer. You say, well, why would that be? Well, because they tend to deal with problems differently. The commander is, all right, let's deal with it. It is done. And we've done whatever we needed to do to make that happen. Whereas the completer is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got to think about it. I need to process this. It may be something that will take me a day or two or three. We can't make a decision immediately. And if the commander angers the completer, the completer tends to shut down. Now, when commanders get mad, they just go ahead and fight. Not necessarily because they like fighting, but because of the fact that they want to deal with the problem and deal with it right now. Let's get it over with. Let's move on. Think about it this way. The commanders are more like the snapping turtles. You pick up a snapping turtle and you aggravate it and it'll take your nose off. <laughs> the completer, of the other hand, is more like that box turtle, that turtle that gets halfway across the highway and then sits down and takes a nap. And so the completers, if you start pressuring them, let's deal with this. Let's make a decision. Let's fix this right now. They'll close that shell up and they'll lock themselves inside and it'll be extremely difficult to get to them. And so sometimes the commanders are very frustrated if they're married to a completer because the commander is saying, we can deal with this now. Let's fix it. And if they press and push very rapidly and intently, the completer will just shut down. I'm not going to do this. And if you're going to be like that, we're not going to talk about it. 
And if possible, the completer will actually start fighting with what is known as passive aggressive behavior. What that means is that they'll fight without appearing to fight. They'll do things much more slowly than they would have otherwise. They'll drag things out further than they would have otherwise. They'll do whatever they can to aggravate you intently, and you can't even prove they're fighting about it. So can you imagine, then, if you have a commander, and we'll just make it the husband, and a completer who's a wife, although it can be just the other way around. And here they are trying to deal with something. The commander's saying, okay, let's just face it now. Let's get it done. Let's talk about it. Let's move on. And the completer's like, I cannot move on. I cannot deal with it until I know that you really understand what I feel, what I'm processing, and we talk this thing through thoroughly, which means that often they wind up not dealing with their problems at all because the commander storms away in a huff or makes a decision and makes a declaration. This is the way it's going to be, and therefore the completer feels dominated or controlled. I had a call just in the last couple of weeks on this program, a lady talking about how that her husband feels that she is critical and that he cannot live up to her standards. I'm not trying to put her down here. I'm trying to explain some things about these personalities, as we're calling them. I asked her a couple of questions and found out that she is what I refer to as a calculator. She is slower paced. That is, she tends to process before she acts and that she follows the rules and believes the rules should be followed, period. Married to a man who is a communicator, who tends to be fast-paced and tends to be very verbal and warm and friendly. And so when he would do things, I'm guessing that a lot of things he did, he would do impulsively because communicators tend to be impulsive people, tended not to think things through the way he should. And if he did a task, maybe he didn't do it as well as he should have done it. I mean, it could be even as something as simple as, hey, I'll do the dishes, now, she and her, if this couple, I'm making up things for them now. I mean, their personalities I'm describing accurately. I'm going to start imagining some scenarios that might go on with them. So if he says, I'm going to wash the dishes, she will have had her rules about how washing dishes should be done, that you first clean them before you put them into the dishwasher. You wash them on a certain temperature, on a certain setting. When you take them out, you make sure that they're done. You inspect them carefully. And if one is not completely washed the way it should be, then you put it back in the dishwasher to be washed with the next load. Whatever her rules are, she would expect him to follow that if he says, hey, I'll do the dishes. So let's say he didn't rinse them before he put them in the dishwasher, and she noticed that. Because that's the rule she lives by, she'll be saying, wait a minute, you didn't do that right. Or, or if after the dishes were washed, he takes them out and he doesn't notice that one of them has a little speck of food left clinging to it. And rather than going back into the dishwasher to be with the next bunch, he puts it where all the clean plates are supposed to be. And she sees that. She's going to point it out to him. You didn't do that correctly. It should have been done this way. Now, in her mind, she's not being critical. In her mind, she's not putting him down. She's not telling him that he's inferior. She's just saying, this is the way it's supposed to be done. It was not done that way. I'm bringing it to your attention so you can fix it. But in his mind, it would be, if I don't do it your way, it's not right at all, is it? Even though it's good, it's my way. It's the way that I'm comfortable with. Because you don't see it being done by your rules and meeting your standards, then it's inadequate. 
And because communicators are so sensitive to whether other people like them or not, and whether other people are accepting them or potentially judging and rejecting them, after a while of hearing those kinds of things, he would reach the kind of place that we talked about with that caller where he was saying, I can't do anything right. I mean, nothing. No matter what I try to do, you're going to tell me I did it the wrong way, or I should have done it better. I should have done it by your rules. Now, again, I'm not putting down the caller from a couple of weeks ago that I talked to about that. I'm just trying to describe a situation where she was saying it had gotten so bad in the sense that he felt judged and criticized that he wants out of the marriage, telling her, I can't make you happy. I can't live with you because I'll never be able to fulfill what you're looking for. Of course, she was at a loss to understand why would he feel that way. I I don't feel judgmental. I don't feel I was putting him down. I don't think I was rejecting him. And in the short visit I had with her on the phone, I was trying to help her understand it's not so much what you intended, it's what he was hearing. You see, you were speaking from your frame of reference as a calculator. Rules. Things being done correctly. Processing. Everything is where it's supposed to be the way it's supposed to be done. And he was coming from his standpoint of a communicator, which is, let's enjoy people. Let's enjoy life. Let's not too, spend too much time on the rules. As a matter of fact, sometimes let's just break the rules and do it differently just for the fun of it. And because of the fact that they didn't understand those personality differences and he felt rejected by her. And of course, how would a person who is a calculator explain that to a communicator when he says, I can't make you happy. I cannot live up to your standards. I can't do all the things you want me to do. A calculator tends to respond with logic, which is, well, wait a minute. I said this. I I don't know how you interpreted it, but I said this because of that situation. In other words, calculators tend to be more logical and tend to have difficulty understanding emotional people. Whereas communicators tend to be emotional. That doesn't mean they don't have logic. Certainly they do. But they tend to operate off of emotions more. And therefore, even as she would try to explain, he probably was not hearing anything other than she doesn't understand, she doesn't know how I feel. Now, I told that lady, I think your situation is fixable. You need to go to somebody who understands about these personalities, actually somebody who can test you. When people come to our workshop for marriages in crisis, we test them. We actually tell them which of these they are. And then we talk about various scenarios about how they can misunderstand each other. So think about it for a minute. When it comes to finances, the people who are slower paced, who tend to process before they act, these would be the, uh, these would be the calculators and the completers, tend to handle money better than do the people who are fast paced, who tend to act and then process later. And those would be the commanders and the communicators. Now, that doesn't mean that a commander can't be a good handler of money. He or she can. The same with a communicator. We're talking about general tendencies here. And even a person who is a commander or a communicator might have some slow-paced parts about them. Like, well, when it comes to money, I know where every penny is, where it goes, how it's spent. So we're not saying this is applicable to every person. I'm talking about general principles here. And so it could be very well that what's happening is, that the people who are slower paced might be the people who handle the money better. Our home, my wife, Alice, is the completer. I, when I'm happy, am a communicator. I love to speak. I love to talk to people. You know, I'm vivacious, outgoing, those kinds of things. When I'm stressed, I move over toward the commander's side, 
where I'm still fast-paced, but I tend to be harsh and tend to make decisions very quickly. And bottom line, let's get this done, let's it move on. But if you notice what I was saying, in our marriage, I'm on the faster-paced side. Alice, on the other hand, is on the slower-paced side. So many, many years ago, we handed all the handling of the money over to her. Now, I can handle money and can handle it very responsibly. But because I do tend to make decisions rapidly and can on occasion be impulsive, we have discovered over the years that Alice, my wife, is a much better money handler than I. And we don't fight over money because of the fact that I trust her judgment more than mine because she will process it longer, think it through in more detail than I will because of her personality. And if we're going to spend major money, if I come in and say something like, Alice, I think it's time for us to buy Ah, convertible, so we can go driving around Tennessee on the weekends and enjoy the weather going on out there. If I come in and say something like that, then I know that she starts processing immediately. Okay, how much money do we have And in proportion to our debt? And for us, because we're trying to follow the pattern of Dave Ramsey, we only owe for our, uh, our mortgage, and we're paying that off. But how does that correspond to our debt and our monthly income? And can we find one use that we can pay cash for so we don't have any more debt and so forth and so on? And I know she's going to process all those things. And so she's not going to be able to look right back at me and go, great, let's go find a convertible. <laughs> She'll say something like, that's a good idea. Let's look into that. Let's think it through. And so when it comes to financial decisions in our home, because of the fact that she is on the floor place side, she actually becomes the one who controls the money. Now she doesn't control me. Don't misunderstand. We do things together as a team, but I'm taking advantage of her gift set as opposed to mine. Now think about how it comes to parenting. A friend of mine who was a calculator many years ago said, if you just followed his rule for raising children, you never have any problem with your kids. I said, what do you mean? Well, he's a calculator. He's one who processes first, who lives by the rules. Everything's done exactly the way it should be done. It turns out his children were all calculators, by the way, and that's not a given. It does not necessarily mean your kids are going to be like you. But it turned out that his kids were calculators. And so when they were young, he sat down with them and said, these are the rules. This is what will happen if you follow the rules. This is what will happen if you violate the rules. And it worked wonderfully with his kids because they were calculators and that made all the sense of the world to them. And so his parenting style worked excellent with those kids. He told me I should use that parenting style with my kids. Now, my children are grown now and married and not on their own, except for our special daughter, our mentally handicapped daughter. She still lives with us. Uh, she's a wonderful little girl living in a woman's body. But the other daughters are and gone. But I remember, I remember specifically with our youngest daughter, who is a commander, communicator, sitting down with her and saying, these are the rules. To which she replied, she was about three, why do you get to make them? Unlike my friend's children, who understood about rules, they were calculators and said, great, dad, you give us the rules, we'll follow them. My daughter was, I don't think I want your rules. I want to make my own. I'm three already. I can decide what I want to do. So, my parenting style, as opposed to my friend's parenting style, was different. It was not going to be just about rules and logic. I was dealing with a kid who had a very strong will, which is true of commanders, who needed to have a way to be successful at what she did, but never have anything given to her because commanders don't do well with that. They have to earn it just for their own self-esteem. And to talk things through and 
to deal with her in a different way. Now, Alice then, as a completer, as the slower-paced, warm and friendly person, did uh, discipline for our children differently than did I. Because when I was in the communicator mode, being that warm and friendly and happy, fast-paced person, I tended to let her get away with anything. But when I was in commander mode, where I got a little bit more cool and distant but was still fast-paced, I tended to be a little bit harsh in the way I dealt with my kids when they didn't do what they should have done, which is why they would always go back to her. By the way, I even see that in my grandsons. They don't call me when they want to deal with something in their lives. They call their Nana, Alice, the completer, the warm, friendly, gentle, listening, kind, slow-paced person who will process everything with them, as opposed to me, Granddad, Papa, Papa Joe, actually, who will make decisions quickly and say, well, why don't you do this, that, and the other? And so not only does it affect the way you do finances, it'll actually affect the way you do parenting. It will affect social settings. I mean, people who are the uh, people like calculators tend to avoid social settings. I don't want to be around a lot of people. I mean, I like things to be logical and orderly and be done the way they need to be done. And when you're in a room full of people and they're all talking and all these things are going on, I mean, it doesn't mean they can't deal with it. It doesn't mean they don't, uh, they can't be part of it and have a good time, but it means that's not what they would choose. And so let's say you have a communicator who loves to be with people, wants to be out and about and doing all kinds of things, married to a calculator, who is like, well, why can't we just stay home? Or even a completer. Now, completers are social, too, because they're warm and friendly. But rather than being in big groups and enjoying that, they tend just to want to be around the people that they love. And so it'd be, why can't we do this right here at home with our own family, our close friends? And so even the way they do social settings will change. And so you'll find that the uh, calculators and the completers can function there, but they tend to be a little, well, reserved. And the calculators, because they are not warm and friendly, sometimes other people don't even know if they like them or not. And commanders, commanders are also a little standoffish, a little cool toward people they don't know. And so often they're the first ones out of a social setting as well. Does it mean that, wow, you don't like people? You know, it just means we deal with people differently. And so when it comes to emotions, calculators might look at a communicator who is weeping about something the calculator would say, well, that happens to everybody. It happened to you. Just get over it. Come on, boy. Let's just move on. We don't need to stop. Now, if you start putting all these things together, well, it also applies to sex. I'm not going to talk about that a lot, so don't freak out and think you've got to hide the kids. But commanders tend to actually be great lovers because commanders of these four personalities I'm talking about tend to have the largest egos. And by having the largest egos, sometimes that just drives them to be really, really good lovers in bed that they tend to do really well with that. But also sometimes it can be a little emotionally distant from their spouses because it can be more about the performance than it can about the connection. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen with every commander, but I'm saying that's a possibility. Don't you understand? Calculators will want to have sex by the rules, whatever they understand the rules to be. And if the other person's saying, let's try this, let's do that, then the calculator might be, whoa, what are you talking about? We can't do that. These are the rules. This is what I understand the rules to be. The communicators tend to want to have fun. Here's some new thing we'd like to do. Let's try this. Let's try that. That'll be exciting. Oh, I just read this in a magazine the other day. I think we can make this work as well. Let's give this a shot. Whereas the completer might be a person saying, 
can't we just love each other? Sometimes I tell audiences that for completers, foreplay starts over breakfast yesterday. Did you call during the day? Did you help put the kids to bed? Did you help wash the dishes? Oh my, those things are really exciting me because it's all about family and completers are all about family. Now I realize I've just hit the high points on these. And at the very beginning of the program, I was a little disjointed because I realized that somehow I had mistakenly set this thing to be a 15 minute program. Obviously we've gone past the 15 minutes, which means that help came in when I was going through that early disjointed part where I was kind of stumbling around trying to figure out how in the world do I fix this and fixed it. So we've got some time left now and we can talk about these things slower. So if you were listening to begin with thinking, my goodness, you sounded hyper and confused at the beginning of the program. It's because I was hyper and confused <laughs> trying to figure out what I'd done wrong and how in the world we were going to fix it and talk to you at the same time. So forgive me for the beginning. And now that we're into this, I hope that you understand some of the principles. So here's the quick test. Which one of these four is the one who is slower paced? That means they tend to process before they act. And it's also a little cool and distant from people. Do you have your answer? That's right, calculator. Now, which one is also slower paced? They tend to process before they act, but is warm and friendly toward people. Which one is that? That's right. That's the completer. And completers are great listeners, but they also want you to listen to them. They want you to truly understand their emotions. Okay, which one is fast paced? They tend to act before they process, and they're also cool and distant. That's right. That's the commander. And the commander sometimes will not take time to really listen to the other person and understand all the emotions they feel. And the final one, warm and friendly, but also fast paced. And yes, that's the communicator. Now, let me give another example or two, and then we'll start taking phone calls. Okay. I suppose then that a commander does something. Let's say the commander is married to the completer. And the commander does something that really hurts emotionally the completer. The commander comes back, looks the completer in the eye and says, I am so sorry. That should have never happened. Will you forgive me? The completer says, yes. And then the completer starts to talk about it. And the commander goes, wait a minute. I asked you to forgive me and you said you did. So why don't we have to hash this out? And the completer saying, because I really need to process this. And I want to process it with you because I want to have some assurance that you really understand what I feel. If I can have assurance that you really understand what I feel, then, then I can get past this. Now, is the commander going to listen or not? We're saying that if you really understand what we're talking about here, you learn what the other person needs, which means in the case like I just described, it is the commander then who says, okay, you know, I tend to be fast-paced. I tend to want to move on, but I understand your need so we're going to sit down. We're going to turn off all the televisions and cell phones and any other distraction around. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to listen to you. And I want you to talk through what you feel. Now understand this and a conversation shows that I'm describing the completer is probably going to become redundant saying some of the things over again and again. Now, part of that's because of the fact that they're processing it out loud. And that's why there's some redundancy and some of it, it's because of the fact they want to make sure the commander really understands what they feel. And so they'll say it repeatedly, watching the face, listening to the tone of voice, 
watching the body language of the other, trying to, to figure out, do you really get it? So you're saying, okay, Joe, then the commander should just listen ad infinitum. I mean, just going to be forever and ever and ever until finally the completer talks it all out. Well, no, 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 that's not right. Understand that the commander should be saying to the completer, I do want to listen. I will do that because I know you need to process this. My nature to say it's over. You've forgiven me. Let's move on. But I know you need to listen. I mean, you need me to listen. You need to talk. And therefore you do. But somewhere through the process, the completer also has to start speaking the commander's language in the sense that, okay, you know, I've talked about this enough. We have reached the point where that I can stop because I know that you can't listen to this repeatedly over and over and over again. We can't talk about it every other day for the next six weeks. We can't just keep staying at it. I need enough time to make sure that you understand me. I need enough time to process it. But I also need to know, I do know and need to think about your need that there is a time and place where we stop because you're dying to move on because it is over. And so each one then tries to understand what the other needs and gives that person what he or she needs, which means then that let's say we have a communicator, well, wife in this situation, and let's say that uh, she enjoys being with people so much that the home is not very neat because she just enjoys being with people, not because she's a slob, but the husband being the calculator likes things in it in their places and et cetera. Should she be able to speak his language to the point where she says, okay, I've enjoyed visiting my friends, but I know it's time for him to come home. I need to straighten things up because I know that chaos and disorder really get to him. And so I need to do some yielding to that and make sure that I help fulfill that need with him. Yes. Should he, on the other hand, be able to understand that sometimes, sometimes that's just not going to happen because she so enjoys being with people that sometimes she'll be having so much fun. She won't come home in time to do that. And so sometimes the house is a little out of order. Yes. It's a matter of saying, I know what it is that you need. I know what it is that you're looking for. And I'm going to do that as best I can. I'm going to be speaking your language, but I also want you to speak mine. I want to give you what it is that you need, but I also need you to give me what is mine. So let's go back then to sex just for a second. So let's suppose we have the communicator. We'll make the communicator a wife. And she likes excitement. She likes trying new things. She wants to try things they haven't done before. She bought some issue of some magazine that talks about some new position and she reads it during the day, and that night when they go to bed, she says to her husband, hey, we're going to try this new exciting thing. Let's give this a try. Is that okay? Absolutely. Should he then try to do those new things with her? Absolutely. But at the same time, she would have to understand that many times she'll just be looking at, or he'll be looking at her thinking, does it always have to be something new? Does it always have to be about some trial of something that we haven't done before? Does it always have to be just this exciting? Can't it sometimes just be about us connecting, loving, touching each other? And so each should be doing that for the other. So some of their sex should be communicator sex or what I sometimes call Yahoo sex. And a lot of their sex need to be completer sex, which is just two people loving each other and holding each other in sexual encounter where it's more about the connection than it is about the sexual experience. Now, I've talked about this for a half hour. Hopefully by now I've given enough picture that you get an idea how this works. So let's start talking to people on the phone and see if I've communicated 
whatsoever. Our first caller tonight's area code 703. Hello, 703. You're on the Joe Bing Show. Are you there? Hi, yes. Hello. Hello. Can you give me a, a first name to call you, even if it's not your name? Just a first name to yes, call you. absolutely. My name is Stephanie. Okay, Stephanie, how can I help you tonight? Um, I was calling because I would love to hear your viewpoint. Um, I have I found you about three months ago, and I really learned so much in this time. I have been standing for my marriage for about 17 months after my husband was involved in um, an emotional affair with a coworker and refused to end that affair, and he eventually left, and um, we have been separated for about 16 months. And um, just this past week, out of the blue, he filed for divorce. Um, you know, over the past year and a half, things have been going well, I thought. Um, we have two children, and so now I just kind of was blindsided. And um, I just would love to hear your viewpoint on as far as his personality and my personality. Um, so far, I have been very, um, you know, I've, I've taken the time to learn about myself and what I need mm-hmm. to work on in myself. And, um, you know, I've been showing a lot of unconditional love. I'm really learning what that looks like in this time. And mm-hmm. he's very much the completer personality. And um, it seems that, you know, he's the type of, well, he's the type of person that when he makes up his mind, it's, it's set. So I'm just, would love to hear your viewpoint on the approach to take now that divorce has been filed for and I'm still called to stand, um, you know, what that, what that looks like and what kind of approach I could take with that. Okay. Now, um, you said he's a completer. Is that what you said? Did I hear that correctly? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And which, which one do you believe you are based on the description we made tonight? I believe communicator. Okay. So, so you're more the outgoing, warm and friendly, fast-paced person. He's also warm and friendly, but reserved, tends to process things first, right? Yes. Okay. Now, and you may have just said this, so forgive me if I, I missed some of this, but is he involved with somebody else? He was initially. Um, I know there have been a few different emotional affairs, at least emotional. Um, I didn't, I'm not aware of anyone currently because I stopped looking for that um, a while back, but he has not said that he is. So that is un- unknown. Okay. Now, what I heard, though, was kind of a qualified no in the sense that you don't think he is, but you're not sure. That's what I heard. Is that what you meant to say? Yes, sir. That's correct. <laughs> okay. All right. So you have this completer. Now, is he having active uh, interaction with your children? Um, on and off. He you typically texts every day to check on them. Then, you know, he seems to be still very lost. And when he's in a pull stage, he is, is more involved. And when he's in a push stage, he withdraws. So, for instance, he hasn't seen the kids in three and a half weeks now. Um, hmm. And in that time, of course, he was filing for divorce. So, Okay. Now, you asked me specifically to talk about it in terms of, of these personalities, and so I will to begin with, but I don't think that's going to give us all the answers we're looking for. Completers tend to be people who are family-oriented, who are very loyal and very traditional. Therefore, when they when you tell me that a completer – 
has gone three and a half weeks without talking to his children. That instantly raises all kinds of questions for me, like, wow, that sure sounds like that's out of his nature. When before all this happened, before all this happened, was he close to the kids then? Yes, very much okay. so. He's an, he was an amazing father. Okay. And so basically we have a guy who has changed behavior in pretty dramatic ways then. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. When a person changes behavior that much, and particularly if you've got a guy who's a, a completer who used to be close and warm and, you know, interacting with his kids who now is not doing so, then there's got to be some kind of a reason for that change. And uh, we could look at things such as, has there been some kind of a major precipitating factor? For example, uh, did somebody he really care about die like his father or did some traumatic event take place or some major life event take place? Are there any of those in the picture? Yes. He, his father was not in his life. Um, he was raised by his great grandmother. So he has a lot of, a lot of childhood trauma. His mother abandoned him as well. So there, so yes. Okay. And when did his father die? Oh, no, his father didn't pass away. Um, oh, his father see. was just not involved in his life. He, okay. Um, his mother and father were never married, um, and so they were – he just was okay. not around. Okay, I'm sorry I misunderstood. And I also didn't ask the question well, so that's my fault. Let me ask it again. I'm talking about it's, it's some event happen. Like, I mean, if the father's oh, never recently. been involved in his life. Right. Anything in, in the last couple of years, two or three years, any significant events that you can think of, what we would call – a significant emotional event where something unusual occurred, the death of someone, the loss of a job, some other thing that would be out of the ordinary that would significantly affect emotions? Um, not really. His grandfather passed away, and then we moved. Um, and so he left, you know, a lot of friends behind. And, and we moved two years ago, and, and not long after that, this, you know, this started. So there was the move and the death of his grandfather at the same time. Okay. But as far as you know, there's no, it's no causality that one didn't lead to the other. Like the death of the grandfather didn't really, I mean, have a major impact on him emotionally then? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Now, if it's not some significant emotional event then, then the other thing we look at is, okay, then did the person develop a relationship with someone else that superseded the original relationship. In other words, if, if a person who had been close to his kids now isn't and was close to you, I'm assuming, and now isn't, we're looking, okay, if, if there was not some significant emotional event that changed him, and, and, and I'm assuming there's no history of, of mental or psychological or emotional um, disturbances like, you know, needing to go to the, the, a psychiatrist, go to a psych hospital, anything like that. I'm assuming that's not the case, correct? Correct. Okay. Then we have to question what changed the emotions, and that would be, okay, is there someone who has replaced the other situation? And so what I heard you say earlier was that there had been some emotional affairs, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. So – when we look at the personalities, just one of the many, many factors we look at, basically what's happening is based, based on what you're saying. I can only go by what you're saying, of course, is that he has closed off many of the emotions concerning you and closing your, and, and including your children, which is a great indicator, not, not proof, not proof, but an indicator that he has developed a 
strong emotional connection to someone else. But you're saying you don't know if that's true or not, right? Correct. Yes. What what does your what does your gut say? That he has. <laughs> I feel that he probably has. Knowing his personality, um, he has. That's what it sounds like. And and I'm not trying to make it I'm not trying to make things worse than they are. Please forgive me if it sounds like I am. I'm not. I'm just trying to help you process this and think it through. If that's the case, if that's the case, then our recommendation would be you deal with this based on the assumption that he's involved with somebody else, which means that if he is, then there's a deep emotional connection with the other person, but that that deep emotional connection with the other person is probably going to be relatively short-lived. The fact that he's had a few over the years indicates that there's some kind of a need within him that hasn't been met. And by the way, don't hear that as a condemnation of you. It might be something you don't even understand or that he doesn't even understand. But there's been some kind of a need with him, within him that hasn't been met that he's apparently tried to meet before in these other relationships yeah. and apparently may be being fulfilled by somebody else. Now, the fact that the others did not last is a good indication that this one's not going to either that there will come a time when this will begin to fall apart as well. My guess, and I'm just guessing, but my guess is whatever it is he's looking for, he still hasn't found. It would be extremely rare. As a matter of fact, very unusual if he finally finds it in another person, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing again, but I'm guessing what he's looking for is not going to be met just in a relationship with a human being, one other person, not you, not your children, and not some other woman that he's involved with. It could go back to what you were describing earlier, which has to do with the fact that his father was never there for him. There's some kind of a big hole in his heart. And yeah. probably what's going to happen is that whatever he's involved in now is going to fall apart as well. Do you still want him back if it does? Yes, I do. Okay. By any chance, are you part of our online program, Save My Marriage, that 10-week online course? I am not, um, but I actually am hoping I was, I was actually, that was going to ask, be my question is about asking him to come to the seminar in Nashville this month, uh, in the workshop this month. Um, I've been praying for an opportunity for us to come, and now that the divorce has been filed and we go to court in June, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm wondering if, because it seems like his decision is made, if it makes sense for me now to ask him to come to the workshop. Um, but no, I, haven't, I have not done the course yet. Either. Okay. Well, if you're considering a workshop, it's, it's, of course, the workshop is much more intense than the online course. And, and it's 10 weeks long, which sounds like that that's not what you have right now. You don't have 10 weeks. Do you think he might agree to come to the workshop with you? Um. It's so up. It could go either way. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. It, well, let me make a suggestion, if I may. Yeah, I would love to have you at the workshop. I'm actually going to be doing the one in um, in May in the uh, Middle Tennessee area. I'll be leading that one for the uh, next several. I'll be leading all of them, and and I would love to meet you and meet him. And through that workshop, we can talk about a lot of things that I think can help him at least begin the process of trying to figure out what it is that he's truly looking for. Now, sometimes people in your situation, the way they get their spouse to come to the workshop is they offer them some kind of a deal. Like if you come to the workshop, I will give you this, whatever this is. And, uh, but that has to be up to you. And if you do that, 
If you do that, make sure you don't offer anything you're not willing to give up. Because if you say, I'll give you blank, whatever blank is in the divorce that you want without contesting that, if you go to the workshop, make sure that that really is something that you'll give up. Now, the odds are, based on, on every, you know, what we've been doing since 1999, the odds are three out of four that the workshop can help you save your marriage, but that's not four out of four. You understand? We can't guarantee it's going to help you marry. So therefore you don't offer anything that you're not willing to truly, truly give up. Is there anything like that that you can think of that he might want that you could trade in response for his coming to the workshop? Interestingly, no, there's really not. Um, he's just, I mean, we really have gotten along so well since mm-hmm. the separation. Um, like he, we, we don't even argue. <laughs> like, I mean, he, there's nothing okay. he's asked for, and the things that he's asked for, I've had no problem giving him. So okay. it's just, um, you know, for his apartment and that such a thing. But, you know, there's not, right. like I said, there's not even been talk of a divorce. So I didn't okay. expect this to come. So I don't know of anything. All right. In that case, based on what you're describing, it may work that you just look at him and say, we've got these kids together. I, I know you love them. I do, too. And one thing that, that has come out of the workshop for couples, even if they decide not to salvage their marriage, is that they'll learn better ways to communicate with each other, learn a lot about themselves and each other. That really does help in the future when it comes to parenting. And so if you love it, because I know you love the kids, of course, we'd love to save the marriage, but I know you love the kids. I know you're filing for divorce. Would you at least come for their sake? Because what we learn there, even if you decide not to come back, what we learn there will actually affect the way we interact, which will affect the way we parent the kids. Do you think that would be important to him? I do. Then, then that's the way I would ask it. Has he asked for a percentage of custody? He has not. I keep that, you know, there with me 100% of the time. He's never taken them overnight or anything like that. So, okay. All um, right. you know, so he you, just comes here with them. Okay, so you have 100% custody, and he hasn't asked for anything else at this point. Well, if he loves his kids, that may be a way to get him to come. I hope, Stephanie, that he would. I would love to meet you. I would love to meet him. And I wish I could promise you that we could help you solve this. Unfortunately, I would lie if I promised you that, and I'm not going to lie to you. But you sound to me like a very warm and friendly and, and very intelligent, very balanced person. That's how you sound to me. Is that how you perceive yourself? It is, yes. Um, yeah, I've really done a lot of work on myself as well over the past year, just like never before. I've grown like never before. So mm-hmm. um, I'm in a good place. I trust God with this. It's just um, now it's just, you know, what my role is. It was actually I was given the advice to, because I have been so loving to him, to start making things a little harder on him so that he kind of wakes up to the reality of what good. will happen if, if there's a divorce. Um, what do you think about that? I'm all for it. I mean, if you make things on the other person hard out of vengeance, then it just hurts you. And so I'm glad you're not doing it for that reason. But when you make it hard on the other person to say, um, you know, you need to understand the consequences of these decisions, I think that makes all the sense in the world. And what I've suggested to many people, and maybe when we talked before I said it to you, is if if he comes back and says, you know, I think you're being mean, you go, look, I'm, I'm following the advice of my attorney. Because, you know, I don't want the divorce, but if you are going to get the divorce, I'm going to do what needs to be done. And and I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm doing it to take care of me and my children and to get the best effect from all these kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm all for making it hard. Not to be mean, not to be vengeance, but but you're not doing that anyway. But to make them realize the consequences of their behavior, yeah, it's a whole lot better they wake up now than wake up 
two years down the road after the divorce, don't you think? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I admire what you're doing, Stephanie. You're an impressive young lady. Oh, well, thank you. I, I really hope to, to meet you in a couple of weeks. Um, and my husband is an amazing man as well. I know you would like him mm-hmm. very lost right now. But um, so thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. I truly hope we get to meet each other soon, my friend. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Have a good night. The same to you. Okay, that was a very nice young lady. I, I hurt for her situation. We're going to go to a Middle Tennessee number, area code 615. Hello, 615. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hello, is that me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you give me a first name to call you, please? Yeah, my name's Chris. Hi, Chris. How can I help you tonight? Yeah, uh, okay, so my wife uh, decided to leave me for someone else about two and a half months ago. Uh, mm. And then, of course, I, uh, you know, bagged and pleaded and all the stuff you're not supposed to do. And she mm-hmm. said that she was going to give us another shot. Uh, mm-hmm. That lasted two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, she said that she didn't have any feelings for me and she still wanted to leave. And so uh, she's still with this guy. Um, and we have two kids, uh, 11 and 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's been taking the kids uh, to like a birthday parties and, and, stuff like that with them, went camping with them a couple weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, she asked me if, if uh, my son could spend the night with him the other day or, uh, you know, with with his son, because he has children also uh, with a previous relationship. And, uh, you know, I told her, no, I didn't want him to be around him. Uh, and so she said that they were going to bring him by. And, you know, I told, I told her I didn't want this guy, you know, on my property, you know, obviously, I'm I'm pretty upset about the whole ordeal. Uh, we've been we've been married for eight years. We've been together for 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had a uh, a daughter when I met her that was five or six months old or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we're at right now is, uh, you know, she's she's uh, wanting a divorce. Uh, she's you know she says she's been trying to fight for our marriage for years and years and years, which I, uh, of course, you know, three I was too preoccupied with, uh, you know, work and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, addictions of my own, not, not drug addictions necessarily, but, you know, I was addicted to games, mm-hmm. uh, addicted to, uh, you know, just a bunch of other stuff like that and ignoring her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she's, so she's, she's done. She don't want to work anymore or anything like that. I tried to get her to go to church with me, uh, talk right. to the pastors at church. Uh, she don't want anything to do with church anymore or anything like that. But so where we are right now is uh, is where we're talking about filing for divorce. I I don't want to divorce her, but she's talking about moving out in a couple of weeks, getting her own place. She spends every night with this man at his house, uh, and of course I have the kids at night. And then she leaves, uh, or she comes home, you know, early in the morning, takes the kids to school and everything like that. But she leaves before I get home, so I, I rarely get to mm-hmm. see her. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, how can I? She help you, has Chris? agreed. What's that? Yeah, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Okay, so that's that's a quick backstory. Uh, essentially, where she is, she has agreed if, if we do this divorce that she is going to you know, give up the house, give up the car, uh, and then 50-50 custody of my son. Uh, now, I don't have any legal right to her daughter because I never adopted her daughter. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though her daughter shares my last name, I never fully adopted her. Here's the thing, okay, if I fight for custody of my son, 
mm-hmm. that would tear up my daughter, I know, without a doubt, because, you know, I'd be separating a brother and sister, mm-hmm. and I would I would love to have custody of, of both children if this goes on. But so I guess I'm looking for a little bit of guidance here as to what I should do there. Is it in the best interest of my children to give up custody of my son so that he can be with his sister and I don't split them apart? Or, you know, what what do I do there? She's, she had already agreed to do 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, other people I've talked to have said that you don't really get 50-50. Somebody has to be the primary home to the child. Uh, typically they, you know, and, and again, it's be very careful about taking legal advice from people who tell you this is what happens, okay? If you're going to, if you're going to think about where would the kid really live and those kinds of things. And it's a whole lot better for you to talk to an attorney than, than to your friends. People can tell you about their experiences, et cetera, but they don't really know the law and I don't either. So here's what I'm, I'm asking you to think about. I can't guide you on what's best for your son or daughter because I don't know them. Plus my, my areas of expertise are not in, in dealing with children. They're dealing with, you know, people in, who are adults who are finding out things, et cetera. So I can't really guide you there. Is there a professional that you have some access to who might have some knowledge of your son and, and the daughter that you could go to a school counselor, for example, or somebody that you can walk in and say, you know, you know, my kids, I'm needing some advice. For example, you said you were part of a church. Is there a youth minister in that church that has, first of all, a youth minister with some wisdom who knows your kids that might be able to give you some, some insight into that? Is there anybody like that at all? Uh, I mean, there is a, a one of their coaches uh, works um, for I guess DCS. Okay. Um, so because they're in a church basketball league, and one of their coaches also does that kind of stuff. So I mean, I guess I could uh, look to her for some advice. That's what I would suggest because if you're going to be getting advice, the best thing you can do is to get advice from somebody who is a professional in that area. And so DCS should be a professional in that area. It doesn't necessarily mean she is, but it means there's a greater likelihood. And if she has some knowledge of your children, that's also a good thing too, as long as she's not either prejudiced toward you or toward your wife. Because if you have even a professional, if they're prejudiced toward one of the adults or the other, you still won't be getting good advice from them. So mm-hmm. I would suggest that, that if you have confidence in her, that you're not saying, look, I'm here. I'm not here for you to tell me what to do. I'm here for you to help me think this through. So based on your yeah. knowledge of the kids, based on your knowledge of what goes on, because I really want what's best for the kids. Now, let me start right there and say, I admire that, Chris, because here's what I hear you saying. I, I want to do everything I can to take this marriage and, and make it good and keep it together and those kinds of things. But I will not do that at the sacrifice of my children's mental and emotional health. That is strong, my friend. Trust me, we deal with so many people that they don't stop to think about the kids at all. It's like, I I need what I need. And I understand people in pain doing that. But what you're indicating, a great deal of love for those children. And so, man, good for you. I surely hope that you can get through to your wife and and something happens. Even if after she moves out and all these kinds of things, I sure hope that something happens. I hate the fact that she no longer wants to be part of your church. Did your did your pastors before have any kind of relationship with her? Uh, not really. Uh, we okay. we didn't go very much. Um, okay. It's a pretty large church, and we didn't go very often. So 
really the only relationship I have with the pastors is where I've had one-on-ones with them when things, when I became aware that things were going south. Yeah. So they, nobody there really has a relationship with your wife, is what you're saying? No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. I really am. If uh, I see from your area code that you're in Middle Tennessee, I'm not going to ask where you live specifically, but I see you're in Middle Tennessee. Um, there is an attorney in Middle Tennessee. I often tell you, if it comes to the point where you need an attorney, just you you choose any attorney you want. I don't advertise for attorneys, but I've, I've seen a guy named John Schwab who works out of the Cool Springs area do a lot of good for people. So that's just one attorney's name. If it comes to the point where you need one to protect you, to to make sure that you do get the rights you have for your children and et cetera. If you don't have an attorney already, that's just the name I'll throw at you, John Schwab in the Cool Springs area. But if you got your own attorney, that's great. And I'm certainly not trying to get you to file for divorce or anything like that. I'm just saying if she keeps going this path at some point, you may need an attorney to protect you and or your children. I hate that. I really do. So that's my, my suggestion, my friend. Talk to the lady from DCS that you know and and see if she can give you some insight. And I strongly suggest even then you don't ask her, tell me what to do. You ask her, help me think through what to do. Okay? Okay. All right. I'm so sorry, I Chris. It. I hope it works out for you, my friend. Okay? Right, thanks. Okay. And now we're going, if I'm reading this correct, this is a Vermont number. Hello, Vermont. Are you Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, can I get a first name, please? Just a first name to call you. Yeah, my name is Justin. Justin? Yep. How can I help you tonight, Justin? Um, well, my wife and I are pretty young. She's 25, I'm 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been married for five and a half years. Um, we have a little two-year-old boy. Um, and um, she... Um, felt ignored in our relationship and truthfully she was was my fault Um, and so she started having an affair about a year ago Mm, I'm so sorry with a guy yeah um, and she I found out about it and we started going to counseling and uh, um, she kind of quit on counseling after a little bit but didn't Mm -hmm. say anything to me and we kept going Um, and I found out recently that she was still seeing him um, and she said that she's broken things off now, but um, she said that she knew it was the right thing to do to break things off and to want to work on things, but she also felt pulled in two different directions. Um, she said she felt like she needed to be free, and she wanted to be um, free you know, of responsibility of being a wife and a mother and just be able to go where she wants, when she wants. Um, and we separated about a month ago. And mm-hmm. she's just, every night that she doesn't have our son, she's out, you know, drinking and dancing and, and partying. And we both, you know, grew up in Christian homes. It's like a total, like, you know, 180 from yeah. the woman I feel like I married. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been just kind of learning to grow myself and just pouring myself out, you know. But um, she seems to be moving further and further away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, I talked to my pastor about it. And I have two questions, if that's okay. Okay. He said, um, you know, I need to continue to to pursue her and continue to love her, um, continue to um, do the things I've been doing. But um, I know that your advice was not to pursue. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to find a balance between, you know, showing love to her and not um, not coming across as needy or, you know. Right. 
Right. You know, the reason we suggest that is is this. Now, and again, please understand, we, we suggest. Here's what I mean by that. I don't tell people what to do because I don't have to face the consequences. If I said, okay, here's what you need to do, Justin, do this, and you did that, and if for some reason that backfired, has some bad consequence, I'm not the one who has to live with that. You do. And so I don't tell people do this or do that for that reason. I also strongly recommend to people that you be careful when other people say this is what you should do, because when they tell you, you got to do this or do that, then, you know, again, just like I won't live with your consequences, they don't either. Now, when we start saying to people, here's our suggestion, don't pursue, here's why. We talk about what attracts one person to another. We do a lot of study about that, a lot of research on that, and, and therefore a lot of teaching on that. And what develops a relationship between two people when they finally start accepting each other. People typically, when they feel they're being pursued by somebody they're actually trying to get away from, and you're describing a situation where she really is trying to get away from you. And she's, as you said, in a total 180. She is now living, based on what you described, she's now living a lifestyle that is in contradiction to what she had before. Now, when people start living a contradictory lifestyle, I could give you all kinds of explanations. Let me give you a very short one. Basically, when people do something that's in contradiction to their belief and value system, they, they, they wind up with what's called cognitive dissonance. That means disharmony. They get misery within. And people can't live like that. Nobody wants to live with this dissonance, this disharmony. Well, there's only two ways to fix it. Either you stop doing the thing that's in contradiction to your belief and value system, or you modify your belief and value system to make that okay. It sounds as if that's the choice that she's made. And therefore, by changing her belief and value system, she's now doing the things she didn't do before. Like when the night she doesn't have kids, she's out partying and dancing and all those kinds of things, which is a pr pretty clear indication, at least to people like me, people in my business, that she has modified or changed her belief and value system, make that kind of thing okay. Now, she's, she's, she's left you. She's trying to leave you. She's going in a totally different direction. She's doing things she hasn't done before. She's living a very different lifestyle. When people who are doing that find themselves pursued, like here comes the other person, like, you know, I, I love you. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I want you to know that I, I cry for you. I miss you. I hope you come back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we see happening most often is that that person then goes further faster. It's like, can't you see I'm trying to get away from you? And by pursuing me that way, it, that, that clinging behavior comes across as controlling behavior. And because right. I feel like you're clinging, clinging and therefore trying to control me and manipulating me and you're whining and you're crying, et cetera, et cetera, then I don't want to be around that. And therefore, I actually shut my emotions off against you more. I've seen it like this. I've seen it where that the person, uh, like in your situation, well, I'll, I won't make it you, I'll make it me. I left Alice, my wife, back in 1984. I left her altogether. I divorced her. But we did remarry three years later in 1987. But when I was in the process of leaving Alice, and she would weep, rather than reacting to her tears with compassion and kindness, which is the person I had been before, I had so changed my belief and value system that when she started weeping, I became even harder toward her rather than feeling compassion toward her. I felt disgust toward her. Now that's pretty sick on my part. You understand it was this wonderful woman in pain, but rather than reacting to her pain the way I should have, I was reacting with anger because I knew that what I was doing 
was wrong. And right. I went from her as fast as I could when she did those things. Now, when we say yeah. don't pursue, we don't mean that you don't have any contact. You've got a child together, so you're definitely going to be having contact with each other. And if you yeah, found we've out been she calling, was calling uh, to say goodnight to him like every night, and sometimes you know we talk for a little bit after. Um, good. And actually, the thing was when we first separated, she would ask me to come over and like stay mm-hmm. the night with her. Um, she mm-hmm. said that she was having trouble sleeping, so she wanted me to like, you know, spoon mm-hmm. with her and like, uh, right. you know, come over and watch TV with her. And mm-hmm. you know, she the last week and a half or so, she she's kind of ignoring me over text mm-hmm. and not like not inviting me over anymore. So I think she's like. I know she's meeting some people out there and like, yeah. you know, trying to move on with their life. Um, yeah. But I had, uh, another question. Mm-hmm. Okay. I told her um, before, uh, probably like a month ago, actually right before we separated, I said, you know, if you need time and space to figure out what you want, I said, that's okay. I said, but if you just want to be single and like date other men, I said, you know, I can't keep coming over and spending time with you. I can't like, it's going to be too emotionally hard for me. Um, and I don't know if I should um, continue to be friends with her. Um, I want her to know that she can talk to me, and I'm right. willing to listen. But I don't want to like, you know, I I can't listen to like. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. I, I agree. Just, I I can't share my life, you know. Right, I understand. Uh, by any chance, are you part of our ten week online course, Save My Marriage? Are you in that by any um, chance? No, I've I've read about it. I haven't uh, haven't joined. Okay. Well, in, in there, we talk a whole lot about those things. There are times there are times when it actually helps if you can listen and be compassionate and understand, even when she talks about things like that. But there are also times yeah. when that's just absolutely the wrong thing to do. And as you said, right. in essence, you're sharing your wife and it's destroying you, it's tearing you apart. Unfortunately, in a short program like this, I can't give all the reasons for that. I, I, hate, right. I hate that this sounds like a commercial. But I, I strongly recommend that you go back to our website, marriagehelper.com, and look into that Save My Marriage. I think you actually can go marriagehelper.com slash one word, Save My Marriage. I think that's right. And you can find out more about it there. And because it'll take you through 10 weeks of videos and thinking, plus coaching calls, et cetera, to help you think that through better. Here's the short answer because I can't answer here where I can't answer where I, what I do answer in 10 weeks. The short answer is if that's tearing you apart, don't do it. There's no value yeah. to it. If, well, I, I have if, been able to listen. Um, she, I mm-hmm. actually listened to her talk to me about like the affair and what mm-hmm. she was looking for and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just really calmly listened and accepted it, you know, as information. And, you know, she was really broken by that. And like, mm-hmm. that was one of the times she decided she wanted to get back together. Mm -hmm. I know that it did kind of soften her heart when that happened. Right. And it can. And I'm I'm admiring you that you had the strength to do that. But as good as that was, it seems like it's evolved past that now. And now she's in the next day. It was like, it never happened. She's like, I feel that pull again. Like I need to, you know, right. So I, I would say if it's in your heart right now that you can't listen to that, then don't Now, Again, as you saw, there is power of doing it. But again, and, and, and so forgive me, man. I'm so sorry, Justin. It sounds like a commercial, but I just can't explain to you what I can explain in 10 weeks there. You understand? Right. I understand. And, yeah. and I, I do suggest you go back and look at that and consider taking that. And our coaching calls will start soon. I don't know exactly when, but we have 10 weeks of coaching calls that go with those as well. And you can you know, write in things there and et cetera. Uh, my heart breaks for you, my friend. My suggestion is that you don't 
do things that consider to be whining, clinging, controlling, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, you're going to have contact with her because of your child. And in those contacts, be strong, be calm, uh, be gentle, be patient as you can. You're not going to be mean, but that's a whole lot different than pursuing when people are trying to get away from you because of my estimation okay. is that just makes it faster. Okay. Right. Um, right is the 10-week um, course, is it something that would cover? I mean, I guess the, the thing I'm struggling with most right now is like, how do I listen to her talk to me about the things she's doing and going out and doing? Yeah, and we talk about that. Like her feelings mm-hmm. and stuff without accepting the behavior. Yes, it, we yeah. talk about that. We talk about okay. you get uh, not only do you get the Save My Marriage course, you get the videos for marriage recovery. You get the videos for the uh, uh, decision point. You get 10 weeks of videos along with PDFs and things like that, plus the coaching calls. Okay. And, yeah, we talk about all those things, my friend. We sure do. Okay. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. All right, Justin. Okay. Okay. And we're going over to West Texas now, way out west in Texas. Hello, area code 915. How can we help you tonight? Hello, Joe. Howdy. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Give me a first name, please. Okay. Uh, Sean. Call me Sean. Hi, Sean. How can I help you tonight? Well, I have an interesting situation. I don't think I've ever heard you uh, discuss this on your webcast, on your uh, podcast. Okay. But uh, my wife completely cut me off about six years ago. She had a hysterectomy and then just said, well, sorry, I'm not interested in sex anymore. So too bad. Okay. Uh, throughout the past years, probably about a dozen times I would mention it, uh, that I was not enjoying this, and she would fly into a rage and say a lot of abusive things, one of which was, uh, well, it doesn't matter because your penis doesn't even work anymore, which oh, I found very grief. insulting. Yeah. Uh, right about after, shortly after the first of the year, we both happened to have a day off, and she said, what's, what's the matter? And I said, I've just been kind of down, and she kept on pushing, and I wasn't upset. I just said, well, you know, the fact that I haven't had sex and well over five years is very, very depressing, and she refused to accept it and uh, just brought up all these different things, and I kept saying, no, no, that's not it. This is the reason, and she got really angry again and told me that I should be happy and fulfilled in a marriage even if we never, ever had sex again. Um, She also told me I was a horrible husband, a horrible father, and a horrible leader. Our our kids are grown. Our youngest is in college. She then finally agreed to go to the gynecologist, and I said, well, can we set a time limit? Would you just make an appointment by a certain date? Uh, She said she would. I got a list of all the doctors on our health plan, and she, uh, at the end of the two weeks, she just said, no, I didn't make an appointment, and I might make one next week. I don't really know. And that was just the last straw, and I found me another apartment, and I moved out. Uh, Uh We've been married a little over 28 years, and quite frankly, I just – don't find this acceptable. Uh, right. I quit talking to her because, quite frankly, she manipulates me. Uh, uh-huh. She says really horribly insulting things. And finally, I uh, one day she, there was a certain place I'm almost always at, and so she uh, left a note on my vehicle saying, oh, she loved me, she was attracted to me, she wanted to work this out. And it it just really irritated me because... I'm like, oh, really? Now you want to try. Now that you're losing your meal ticket, you want to try. And uh-huh. I just kind of wanted your take on the situation because it's very, very painful. And she it's almost like she relishes in inflicting pain on me. Well, I'm so sorry for that. I really, truly am sorry for that. 
it, uh, it's extremely difficult to have a relationship where there's no sex when you're married to each other. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you, I heard you say that your children are grown. Is, didn't I hear that? Yes, yes, uh, 26, yeah. and the other one is 19. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean that you're over the hill sexually, right? Probably I mean, you still want. have sex. Okay, yeah, you've still got, you still got many, many, many years left of well, sexual fulfillment, right? I mean, well, your body. That's the problem. Oh yes, yes, and I've been checked out by a doctor. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with me. It's just you know she's okay. extremely insulting and just says no. It's just too bad for you. But of course right. now that I've moved out, it's all oh, everything's different. I want to try to work on it. And I'm like really seriously. Yeah, do you think she now would? You, do you really think she would? Honestly, I don't think so. I think she would go right back to the controlling and telling me what to do and being insulting because even in her letter, she wouldn't really take responsibility. You know, okay. it's just she said she's right. been to the doctor. I don't know if she really has or not. Okay. Well, the fact that you've gone six years without a sexual fulfillment is a really bad thing. I understand why you moved out. It's extremely frustrating. Like you said, it's insulting. Uh, you know, she not only insulted you, she insulted your plumbing. I mean, she's done all the wrong things. I would agree wholeheartedly. But now that she's saying, okay, I've come to my senses, you've moved out. I've realized now I really want to fight for my marriage. Um, What would you have to lose as opposed to what would you have to gain if she's telling the truth or if it's just kind of a con for, let me say it a different way. You said, okay, I think it would be just like it was before, which is basically saying she's trying to con me into coming back. And then it's going to be the same as it always was. That's a possibility. What would you have to lose to give it a shot? I mean, I realize you're frustrated. I realize realize you're angry, but if you were to go back, if you were to say, okay, I will, I'll try, but I'm not going to move back in first. What I'm going to do is this. We're going to work on this, and we're going to work specifically on our relationship, particularly about our sexual relationship. If you do, here's a book I recommend that you actually get and read through together. You go to Amazon.com. You get a book called Sexual Awareness by Barry McCarthy. Dr. McCarthy is a friend of mine. Sexual, sexual Awareness, fifth edition. The way you know you got the right one is if you scroll down to where people review the book, if there's a review by me, it's the right one. And so... Sexual Awareness, 5th edition, Barry McCarthy, and say, here's the deal. I'm not moving back in, but we're, if you really want to give this a shot, we'll work through this book a chapter at a time. We're going we're gonna to use our markers and mark in there. We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to do the sexual exercises and experiences that Dr. McCarthy and his wife, she wrote it with him, Dr. McCarthy and his wife said we should do. And if indeed we can build a, a, a fulfilling, healthy sex life, then yes. I'll come back home and we'll make this work. Now she's either going to say no. And then you go, okay, I've got my answer. Or she's going to say yes. And she's going to come over and start to that book. So what would you have to lose by doing that? I mean, the potential gain is if she really has come to realize I'm going to lose this guy. Look what you have to gain. I mean, you've got all these years together. You've got the children together and you could start a marriage almost from scratch I mean, like this whole new relationship, totally exciting and et cetera. And if in that process you find out that she's really not serious, you just say, that's it. I'm done because I haven't moved back in yet. So what would you think about a plan like that? Well, objectively, it sounds good. But emotionally, I mean, she has torn apart my dignity. She's insulted me. She's told Mm -hmm. me I'm just a horrible person and all this. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, look what it took for her to 
finally even take me seriously. It's just, I feel like in order for me to accept that, I would have to have no self-esteem whatsoever. I'm just saying, objectively, it sounds good, but emotionally, that really sounds bad. Does yeah, that make sense? I get it. I get it. I do. But at the same time, you're asking about it. So there's a part of you that apparently does want to do it, or you would have just said no, and that would have been the end of it, right? Well, I admit there's a part of me that wants to do it, but, mm-hmm. you know, how many times do you get hit in the head with a two-by-four before you finally say, hey, listen, that's a knock. <laughs> I, I don't blame you for that. I really don't. I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying emotionally it's a tough thing to hear. Absolutely it is. I mean, you know, for somebody to insult mm-hmm. you to the, at that level of your being, it's really, really oh, yeah. hurtful. I don't think that most women have a comprehension about how how badly those words affect a man. I really do. Now, I'm not trying to put women down. I'm really not. It's just that women and men are different. I've run into these things, of course, in my business for years and years and years. One woman who actually, because she was mad at her husband, said, well, maybe sex would be good if you were bigger. Like, like he's never going to think about that again, you know? <laughs> what I'm saying is he would never make love to her again without remembering that insult. I think that many women just don't have any comprehension of how they destroy the male ego by some of those things that they say. Now, I'm not trying to justify your wife. I don't know your wife. I mean, I'm not justifying her at all, but there's a good chance that she really had no clue about how bad it was. Obviously, she knew she was hurting you. But Well, at one point she asked me, you know why I don't open up to her? And I said, well, this is why. You say this, and it really hurts me. And 10 minutes later, she said the same thing again. Mm-hmm. So it's like she just intentionally does this. It yeah, just, I, I get it. I get it. You're angry, and I don't blame you. You're hurt. I don't blame you. I think sometimes, you know, and it's your choice, obviously. I'm, I, I, I cannot and would not make your choice for you. But when you... When you look at it from a standpoint of what's the potential loss, yeah, you'd be hurt again, no doubt about it, if it didn't work. What's the potential gain? Then you have to decide, is it worth the risk? Mm-hmm. And what do you think? Do you think it is or not? It possibly could be. I just need to think about it. It's just really, you know, it's like uh, holding your, sticking your head out one more time after you've been hit <laughs> in the head with a tube before thousands of times. Yeah, I get it. I really do. I understand. I, I, I'm hearing you. I'm relating to it. I'm thinking I'm, I'm right where this guy is. Yet, wouldn't it be terrible if you really did have a shot at it and, and decided not to do it when it could have worked? But again, it's, it's your call, my friend. I'm not, I don't know you. I don't know her. And, uh, but I do understand the pain. I really do. But like you just said, think it through. Decide if it's worth the risk. The risk is I might be hurt again. The reward is I might actually have something I've wanted for a long, long time. That'll be amazing. Is it worth the risk to see which it's going to be? And only you can decide that only you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. <laughs> okay. You take care. I don't think Sean liked my answer. <laughs> I don't blame him. He's been hurt so many times. I get it. I understand. I really do get it. But Sean, Give it a shot, man. Make make a decision one way or the other. Um, I kind of hope you try it, but it's your call. It's your call, and nobody would blame you if you didn't do it. But, man, that payoff could be amazing. Okay, we're out of time for this evening. Next week, we're going to try something totally different. We hope to see you then. Until then, 
Take care.